had to have a very clear vision of what I wanted and the type of business that I wanted to build once I made that decision. But I also had to learn to understand that the culture that I was operating in, the language that I was operating in was very different from the one that I grew up in. Welcome to the Creative Legacy Podcast, a podcast to help creative entrepreneurs build their business while leading a life of intention, joy, and adventure. I'm Sarah. And I'm Shawnee. Since starting this podcast, we've received so many awesome emails from people around the world asking to guest speak with us and have different conversations. And one of the first ones we received was by this awesome woman named Kay Fabella, and we loved her email. We loved everything that she talked about, and we are so excited today to have her on to talk about how to build your business in another language, which is incredible, and we are so honored that you're here today, Kay. Yeah, I remember reading that email, too, and just being like, yes, this sounds fantastic, so thank you for being here. I'm so honored to be here with you, ladies. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. If you don't know Kay, she is a storyteller and brand strategist who crafts words for entrepreneurs to master their message, to pivot their business efficiently, and connect with people they were meant to serve. She's a Los Angeles native based in Spain. Oh my gosh, how cool is that? And (laughs) she's worked with solo entrepreneurs to Fortune 500s in English and Spanish. And we are super excited that she's here, like we said, and we can't wait to hear all the amazing things that she has to share with us. Yeah, I don't know if you heard our travel episode, but Spain is like my number one place that I want to go. So. I I did hear that episode and I was like, why hasn't she come yet? She's obviously excited to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. now we're going to have to come visit you. Yes. We're super excited. <laughs> I would love to have you. It'd be awesome. <laughs> So tell us, we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, just that that basic bio that I just read off, but we want to hear from you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. For sure. So I obviously am not from Spain originally. I came from Los Angeles, as you can tell by the accent. Uh, And I've been living here since 2010. And so I originally fell in love with Spain. My love affair with Spain actually started quite early as well. It was around, I want to say like, fifth, sixth grade, where Spanish went from a language that I just had to study in school to something that I linked to, hey, I can actually use this to connect with other people, thanks to a really awesome middle school teacher that I had. And one of the first things that she showed us to kind of get us into this idea of that you could use Spanish as a language to connect with other people was this very cheesy, like, 80s style documentary for non-native Spanish speakers to learn and study Spanish. And one of the settings was in Madrid. And when I mean 80s, I mean like the characters still had like shoulder pads. It was like, (laughs) you know, stuff that's coming back now, ironically, which is very weird. Um, (laughs) But I remember just being so fascinated with this country that was featured there. And I thought like, wow, Spain sounded so far away. And I was like, that's it's in Europe. And it's the first place that I could actually go if I really studied this language and I was just hooked from like fifth sixth grade on and when it came time to you know in college choose where I would study abroad because I studied international relations 
and my minor is economics and I had to study a foreign language. And so Spanish, I obviously continued with, and it was between Madrid and Buenos Aires, Argentina. Mm. And I was like, hmm, Europe, this place that I've been wanting to go forever, all of Buenos Aires is also calling. And it was a really close call, but I ended up opting for Madrid. And after I decided to study abroad here, it was just a semester didn't feel like enough. It felt like there's so much more to explore. I feel like I'm just getting the hang of the city. The people are amazing. The food is awesome. There's really great wine for very cheap. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is incredible. And of course, for somebody who's like in college, university, you're just like, what? They stay out till six in the morning here? This is amazing. (laughs) And you end the night with churros and chocolate. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's paradise, right? For when you're an undergrad. And, and so I just, I remember making a vow to myself, like being very heartbroken when I left thinking like, oh, you know, I'd really love to come back here someday, but one day I will. And after I finished college and got my first job and I burned out very quickly from that first job, I, you know, moved back with my folks for a bit and they were to kind of get my bearings after, you know, falling flat on my face a little bit, like realizing like, oh, this isn't what I want to do. They were like, well, what would you love to do? And I'm like, honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but I really want to go back to Spain. And they were like, okay, but this time it's not through school. So how are you going to support yourself? And I said, well, I could teach English and, you know, go abroad for a year and kind of, you know, travel around Europe. And in my head, I thought, get it out of my system. I just thought it was one of those things where like, you're young once, you don't have anything tying you down, no mortgage, no kids, no nothing. Let's, you know, have my own adventure in Spain. And I met my now husband my first year here, (laughs) which is basically how I ended up living here for going on eight years now. So (laughs) that's how I ended up in Madrid. (laughs) That's awesome. Which is very cool. And starting a business uh, is a whole other chapter. I feel like since moving here, I've lived through several chapters in my life. Um, I've been a food tour guide, which when you guys come here, that will happen. I will give you a food tour guide. I've sang in a band. I've, you know, worked for a Fortune 500 company here. I've, you know, taught English. I've traveled multiple places. I've lived with, you know, six or seven different sets of roommates. I mean, there's just all these things that happen when you're young and your 20s in Europe, and it's amazing. And Starting a business actually came because I was waiting for a renewal of a work contract that fell through at the last minute. And without any warning, I was told, like, unfortunately, we aren't able to let you continue. And so I was kind of in this place of panic of like, well, I still want to stay here. My life's already installed here and I think things are going well. What am I going to do? I can study something, get a master's degree in something. What was the first thing that came to mind, marketing. (laughs) Uh, Because I was basically like, I spend time on Facebook. I understand social media. Maybe I should learn something with this. I could do this. (laughs) And it was at this weird space, you know, this weird time where um, because Spain was still coming out of recession and the rest of the world was as well, but Spain was hit especially hard. You know, a lot of places were 
being comp- you're competing for the same roles as people who already have master's degrees. And so a lot of the places that I was trying to apply for jobs wanted those master's degrees. And then when I looked to apply for those master's degrees, they said that they wanted people with experience. And so I was in this weird catch 22 of like, oh my goodness, you know, this is something that I feel like really inclined to do. And I really want to study this. And I think it's a great application of my communication skills, my ability to connect people. At that point, I was perfectly bilingual in English and Spanish. And I thought, well, what can I do to kind of make ends meet while I'm waiting to apply for a master's degree in the fall? I'll freelance for a bit. And this was pre-Upwork days. Upwork was still two different websites. Like, you guys, I'm OG freelance, okay? Like, Elance, Odesk, they were two separate sites still. You had to have profiles on both. And, and that's what I did. And I put my profile up on both. And I said, you know, I'm, you know, I can help you with your social media, I can help you. And that's how I got my first set of clients in, originally with the intent of applying for that master's degree in marketing. And I realized that I didn't want to apply for that master's degree, because I realized I liked working for myself. <laughs> and, and it's funnily, funnily enough, how things come full circle. One of the places that I applied to for that master's degree that said no, because I didn't have enough experience, hired me to be an adjunct professor last oh year, which I just was like, mind blown. Awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, which is really cool. So like goes to show you that I think that while things come full circle, you can always kind of reinvent yourself. And, and I think anything that you pursue, even if you have challenges in front of you and not going to lie going through it at the time, there were definitely some, you know, lots of tissue boxes, uh, a lot of hugs from my now husband, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, just kind of feeling like, well, what do I do? But I think one of the things that you learn abroad and I think you learn quickly, um, even even if you're not an entrepreneur, but definitely when you're abroad, that you just have to kind of pick yourself back up. There's no time to really wallow. There's no time to really sit and stew and think like, ah, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? You just have to kind of take charge of things. And, and so that's something that I think has continued to serve me here. And luckily, it's allowed me to build a business that allows me to work in two languages, go back and forth now between Madrid and Los Angeles, where I'm from, and a few other places too. Let's be real, because travel is great. And and yeah, it's been it's been an incredible journey, and I, I look forward to continuing. That is awesome. What a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a really cool story of you, yeah, like you said, you can't just sit in it and yes, we want to feel sorry for ourselves and oh, this is so hard and why can't someone just tell me what to do? But that's the entrepreneurial road is that we got to just go, figure it out. Like you said, pick yourself up and just keep going. What a beautiful inspiration. Thank you. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a really cool journey so far. And I think, you know, Madrid is an incredible city. Anyone who's listening to this, obviously, look me up when you're here. It's really conducive as well because I've seen just this massive shift in the past eight years of how it went from being very sort of, you know, the same, you would work for the same company and this kind of mindset of like you work for the same company for a long time, then the recession hit. And after you've seen this recovery happen in Spain and in Madrid, especially being the capital, there's this whole new youthful energy of just entrepreneurial spirit, people coming back from abroad, bringing their ideas, you know, young people just really taking more risks. And it's a really exciting place to be. Awesome. You're just making me want to go to your I know. I'm like, can we book our tickets now? Because I'm ready. (laughs) Yes. You mentioned that you did have some challenges. Do you mind talking about some of those that you faced while you were, after you decided to start your own business and you were growing that? 
especially working in another country. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, you guys have talked about it on the podcast before. The entrepreneurial journey is not sunshine and roses. It's always going to be an uphill battle. But then when you add an extra level to it of being in another language and in another culture, it just it makes everything much more defined of just much more, much more intense. <laughs> we'll go we'll, we'll go with that word. And and it was one of those things where I had to learn very quickly that I had to be very, uh, very flexible. I had to have a very clear vision of what I wanted and the type of business that I wanted to build once I made that decision. But I also had to learn to understand that the culture that I was operating in, the language that I was operating in was very different from the one that I grew up in. So for example, there's, you know, as service-based entrepreneurs, we do a lot of discovery calls where you hop on a call with a potential client and and you basically let them know like if you, that you're a good fit for them or you talk about services you can offer them, et cetera. And with any sort of American, English-speaking, uh, international client outside of Spain, you can more or less cover that discovery call in 30 minutes with a Spanish-speaking client easily an hour, <laughs> minimum. <laughs> Because I think that it's it's a difference in in culture because they want to have more of a personal connection with you. They want to contextualize who you are and where you're from a little bit more. They uh, want to feel some sort of you know friendship and kinship to you before they even think of you know asking for that sale or investing. There may be even be like a follow up call afterwards. And it's not that one way is wrong or right. It's just that it's a different way of operating. So you have to understand that. Um, when it came time to actually figuring out, okay, I, I want to make sure everything is right and tight and I'm legally all set and uh, paying all my taxes here in Spain as now a Spanish resident, it's it's really interesting to see how the first thing that I decided to outsource was accounting because I realized I was going to need accounting for both my US and my Spanish taxes because both were just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, guys, I'm an adult. I have my first two employees and they're for taxes. <laughs> I'm not in another country and I need to yeah. hire that out. So <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> exactly. And so there were a, a bunch of things. I think the main challenges were, I think, are similar to other entrepreneurs who are are just kind of trying to figure out what they need to do next. It's almost like you do first, and then when you don't know what to do, you have to ask. And there was a lot of asking on my part. I was really lucky to have mentors early on who took an interest in me, be very humble in terms of approaching people and building relationships with them and saying like, hey, I really don't know uh, how to move forward or really what I'm doing in general. Could you help me? <laughs> and people were, were very, you know, and now it's kind of what I do with clients and with friends and with, uh, with my students that I'm always thinking of how to pay it forward for other people. Because when I had no idea what I was doing, when I was facing challenges of, I don't know how to talk to this person. I don't know how to approach this lead. I don't know how to contact this company to give a workshop for them. I don't know how to put together a pitch. Can you help? And, you know, somebody did that for me or somebody showed me the way or somebody connected me with another person. And I'm lucky that there were a series of people that took interest in me. And I think that the beauty of this entrepreneurial journey, as difficult as it was based in another country and dealing with another language, was that I had the opportunity to connect with so many different people who were just so generous with their time and were just lovely lovely human beings. And I try to pay that forward now. That's really cool. 
you talked a little bit about the challenges you had and and one of the ways that you overcame it is you found mentors and you found different people to help you for someone in the situation right now where they're starting a new business or they're in a new country where would you find these people to help what kind of resources are out there for people who are looking to do kind of what you did So there is a ton. I think one of the beauties of social media now, when you land, I remember when I landed in Madrid, there were almost no Facebook groups, for example, for people who were native English speakers who were looking to do things like, hey, where do I buy tampons? (laughs) (laughs) You know, how do I even say the word? Um, Where do I go to if I want to register to vote? You know, things like that, that you're just like, you know, that you, I didn't have access to when I first landed here. So there's definitely like Facebook groups for pretty much anything under the sun when you first land, specifically if you're moving abroad or you're looking to build a community in the place that you're moving to, whether it's a new city or a new country. And Meetup was a really great way for me to link up with people initially, um, people around specific shared interests like entrepreneurship. And that's where I met some of my first original mentors. And I basically just kept following this lead of like, follow the next right person or, you know, I'll connect you to this next right resource or course or program or coach and just kind of being very open to just meeting new people and exploring whether or not that opportunity is the right fit for what you're looking for at that time to get better. And it started with Facebook and meetup groups. And then I would say, you know, it was really just going to networking events where, wherever you're based. I think being open to meeting new people, especially at the beginning, whether you're looking for new clients, collaborators, or even just mentors or just people to support you, you have to put yourself in situations where you're going to find either like-minded people or people who are working in similar industries or people who could at least just, you know, guide you and share their share their knowledge and resources with you. And so I think I spent a lot of my time initially, aside from hunting for clients on Elance and Odesk, uh, you know, going to a lot of these in-person events, as well as, you know, following up with those people off offline, online, meeting up with people for coffee, you know, being really curious and being really humble and being really open to learning. And I think that goes for anybody who's looking to start a business, whether it's moving to Spain like I did and starting abroad or, you know, being maybe a digital nomad or location independent or really just, you know, just trying to get their feet in the water wherever they are. When you were starting out and on these sites like Elance, were you searching primarily for clients that were in your area or were you doing stuff like working with others in the U.S. as well? So it's kind of a funny story. Initially, I wasn't planning on working in Spanish. Uh, (laughs) We'll get to that later. Uh, I was looking specifically for English-speaking clients in the U.S., in the U.K., even some of my initial clients when I was here in Madrid were fellow expats or people who were, you know, native English speakers, or it was their or near native English speakers. And so that was, I mean, I think that was the beauty of it. It was fascinating to me that you could put your put your profile out there, and be connected to people from all over the world. And you could do that from the, you know, well, yoga pants, you know, I have a master's degree in waist up dressing. I mean, let's be, let's be real, (laughs) Uh, you know, and I think that's probably why I fell in love with entrepreneurship. I was like, what? I don't have to put on like real pants today. Cool. Like, (laughs) I think every entrepreneur should add that to the resume. I love that. (laughs) 
That's, I definitely have a master's degree in that right now. That's for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> it's, starting, it's chilly. It's fall. I mean, come on. Like, do you really want to put on jeans? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> you're, yeah, nobody wants to put on jeans. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I was just fascinated with the fact that like you could actually connect to people from, and my original uh, intent with putting up my profile on those sites was to connect with people back in the U.S. or in the U.K. Uh, just for you know, the language initially. And then, well, I'm sure you'll probably ask a follow-up question on this. Then I eventually started working in Spanish, but it wasn't my initial intent. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's go into that. Why, how did it shift? Why did it shift? And tell us a little bit about how it went into more Spanish speaking. Sure. So coming back to what I was saying earlier about my sort of militant networking mission that I was on when I was first starting out, I figured by that point, I'd been working with a few clients online and I was really loving what I was doing. But I also thought, well, it seems weird for me to be settled in a life here in Madrid and in Spain without really knowing how, you know, the Spanish speaking world is talking about online marketing, storytelling, any of the things that I'm doing. And so I signed up for a couple of in-person courses. I thought, what better way to learn than from people who are either, you know, really well positioned here, have really great personal brands or are really, you know, kind of pushing, pushing the level of how things are done here. And I, one of the courses that I signed up for was with somebody whose personal brand was taking off at the time. She's since kind of established herself as the Marie Forleo of the Spanish speaking world, which is just, I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, wow, I like her blog. She seems cool. I'm going to go to the <laughs> course. And, and I, I sat through the three and a half hour training and I loved every minute. I was taking all these notes and I went up to her afterwards and I said, oh my gosh, thank you so much for giving that. I loved it. My name is Kay. I'm a storyteller for brands, blah, blah, blah. And she cut me off and she was like, so you said you're a storyteller. I was like, yes. And by that point, I had basically evolved from social media marketer to figuring out, well, what's the thing that needs to make communication that helps brands communicate better than others in a way that resonates with their clients and customers. And the common thread through that was storytelling. So by that point, I was like, well, storytelling is what I want to dedicate myself to. And this is exactly where I see myself creating a niche. And I mentioned that to her and she said, you know, nobody's talked about that yet in the Spanish speaking world. Would you be interested in, and I've never done this before, but would you be interested in doing a guest series on my blog? speaking about storytelling for brands. And I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> sure. Um, how do I translate storytelling to Spanish? <laughs> and she's like, no, just keep it. It's fine. Just, you know, people are going to be talking about it in English anyway. Like most things in Spanish uh, or that come from the English speaking world, for things like digital marketing, entrepreneurship, or whatever, there are some things that just don't have a translation, like copywriting, for example, is said exactly the same in Spanish. So you should just keep it as storytelling, you'll be fine. And so I went home and I was like, oh my gosh, how do I translate this? You know, only recently had I had I started to kind of feel like I was gaining expertise in this field, and all of a sudden now I had to write about it in a language that wasn't my native language. I was really nervous, naturally. My, my husband was a big cheerleader then. He was oh. like, you got this, you got this, honey. And so I'm writing this, this series of posts, and I think I do a pretty good job, and I send it off to her for one final look through. She's like, these are excellent. They're going out on this day. Get ready. I'm like, get ready for what? They go out. My website collapses. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
And that was my first like caught with my pants down moment. Speaking of pants, there's a lot of pants talk going on right now on this podcast. I swear I'm wearing I'm wearing yoga pants, people. Okay. Just just for anybody who's asking. Don't go there. Um, <laughs> but I felt like I had a caught with my pants down moment because my website was one, uh, terrible, awful, really just I DIY'd it as quickly as possible, put up my things on Elance and Odesk and just went to work. And nothing was in Spanish. Nothing. And so I got a lot of emails afterwards of like, oh, hey, do you have any resources in Spanish? Like, I really loved those posts. What other resources do you have? Do you have any courses? Do you have any? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like <laughs> To the point where I didn't realize the repercussion of those posts and what that would lead to. I mean, obviously, now it still continues to be one of my number one sources of traffic to my site. It has gotten me cited in, you know, international Spanish banks websites as an expert in, you know, I didn't realize I was just going every so often, like you'll get like a Google alert with your name. And I'm like, huh, what, why am I being cited here? And it's, you know, you're being featured as an expert on storytelling in someone's blog in Colombia or Argentina or, you know, Peru. And you're <laughs> like, what, what is happening right now? And, and the crazy thing was two years after that, post went live and went viral, I got an email in my inbox from the largest Spanish speaking newspaper in circulation, El País. And the, the subject line was an interview for El País. Oh, wow. And I was like, how the, <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like a series of, oh my goodness. Like, and by that point I was now working with people in Spanish. I had a blog in both languages. I was pumping out, you know, English and Spanish content every week or every other week with what I could keep up with. And, you know, I was starting to, you know, I gave my first in-person talk at Google campus in Madrid. I was invited to give a training for standard and pours here in Madrid as well. There was just like a lot of an amazing opportunities that were happening. But when that happened, like I was being recognized in a full page business article for their Sunday times version of the paper. And I just thought, what? Like my Spanish teacher would just be like, what is happening? Like <laughs> we didn't know. And, and that for me just was in the short amount of time that that happened. I think there were a lot of, it was a lot of amazing feelings, but it was also a lot of terrifying feelings of imposter syndrome of, oh my goodness, like, who am I? Like, I'm not supposed to be here. They're going to find out that I'm that I, I'm just figuring this out, like two steps ahead of them. Like, how do I, like, who am I to be an expert on this topic that I still feel like I'm learning about and really starting to get a handle of. And it was just one of those things where the demand found me and I now see it as a blessing. And initially it was a roller coaster ride of just emotions and feeling like, oh my gosh, like I, I can either ride this wave and and take ownership of this role or I can just kind of let it roll over me <laughs> and just sit back and and stay hidden and it was a real it was a lot of mindset things for sure and it was a lot of lessons that I learned in that process of just you know what you're capable of doing and what you give yourself permission to do and and to this day it's something that I'm I'm glad that a series of 
happy accidents and a series of the right people believing in me and the series of, you know, the right decisions, the right hard work, the right series of clients giving, you know, me great testimonials that led to another, that led to another, that led to the positioning that I have now in the Spanish speaking world. And, and that to me is still to this day, like a pinch me really like this has happened. And, and it's been, yeah. That's another layer to the journey of just what I've lived how many lifetimes here in the eight years I've been in Spain. What? <laughs> fantastic. And it sounds like you just got like you had that one thing you did that led to the right moment and everything fell in line like that. And I think that's just beautiful to say, like, take those risks and those chances. But I'm curious, you mentioned a little bit before, too, like of how Spain's culture is to get to know you a little bit more. And I did a business marketing major as well and took an international business course. And one of the things they taught you was to be aware of other cultures and how different things work. And like some cultures like handshakes differently. And some, if you give a business card, you're supposed to look at it and not just shove it in your purse because it's seen as disrespectful. Did you come across any of that as you were starting to work with the Spanish culture then? Yeah, definitely. I would say, well, kind of tying into what I said earlier about just like the the relationship building process for working with Spanish speakers is different. Like there has to be, it's not as simple as hopping on a discovery call or, you know, sending a message on LinkedIn. There has to be a sustained conversation before someone is willing to open up and trust you enough to, you know, confide in you to, to take care of their baby, which is their business, which I totally understand. Um, there was also, you know, a level of, you know, camaraderie that I was really surprised by. I think one of the reasons why that positioning happened as quickly as it did was because somebody was much more willing and able to to see a potential in, in this field and in the way that it was going and didn't care that I wasn't a big name person at the time and didn't care that I wasn't, you know, you know, featured in five or six different things. They just care that like, oh, you know what you're doing. I have faith in you. Let's, let's roll with it because we need somebody to, to talk about this because this is where things are going. I think that an added benefit for me as somebody from the English speaking world in marketing, and I think because a lot of the things come from the US, a lot of the things come from the UK and we kind of set the trends in things. I can see those things as they happen and learn how to either help my clients or help myself and my business adapt before those changes hit the Spanish speaking world, because it usually takes about a year to two years for certain trends to hit. And that actually leads me to uh, another challenge that I had, which was that nobody knew what storytelling was when I first started talking about it, which is why those posts went viral. And so initially when I was first starting to you know, pitch myself or introduce myself at these events, you know, this woman, who came from this, um, you know, who came from this marketing environment, she already knew what it was, but, and I just assumed, oh, if she knows what it was and other people will too, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> to give a whole preamble to explain things. And, and so it, it was an interesting situation for me to be in as somebody who I was an expert in what I was doing, but I also learned that my messaging had to be very targeted towards people who already understood it versus people who 
were still kind of doubtful about what it meant and needed a little bit of educating about it because, you know, yes, it's my job to educate people on story as the person who is considered an expert in this field. But when it comes to client work, I was in a position where I could be selective in terms of people who who bet on innovating in this way versus people who kind of saw it with like a raised eyebrow, uh, which tended to happen with a lot of people who hadn't really learned about it yet. Now it's much more, you know, now I'm one of many people who speak about it. And at least initially, I think there was that cultural barrier of, you know, of initial doubt because a concept hadn't really landed in the cultural consciousness yet of why it's important and why it's necessary and why it's needed. And I would say another thing that I learned was you know, uh, the dos pesos. I mean, this is, this is common also for anybody who will come to Europe, but I, I grew up learning Latin American Spanish. So I, I would only do the one <laughs> kiss on the cheek. <laughs> but I came to Spain and it was two. And so I would just kind of stop mid kiss and then they would lean to the other side. And I almost maybe made out with a couple of people I was introducing myself to initially, so that was a little awkward. <laughs> I would forget. Um, don't worry, my husband was fine. Like, <laughs> and nothing happened. We're okay. But it was just, you know, things like that that you just realized when you were meeting people in person, like how to introduce yourself, things like just how much backstory you have to give. I think the other thing I found was, uh, and again, I'm only speaking from you know, my two contexts that I have a handle on are American and Spanish. But, you know, I've noticed also as well other European cultures, when you go to these networking events, what I found was there's not really as much of a directness as I think Americans are. It's like, here's what I do and here's how I can help you. How can you help me? And it's very like elevator pitch. Go, go, go. And I think that networking events here tend to be much more about kind of placing you like it's much more likely that you're speaking with somebody like, oh, you're from, you're from Madrid. No, I'm not from Madrid. Actually, my dad is from France and my mom is from Germany. And they give you more of a backstory before they get into what their actual business is. And so conversations are a little bit longer, I think, than initially I was, I was expecting when I first started going to Spanish speaking networking events. But I also found them to just be different just and more endearing in some ways because you're like, oh, cool, I get a whole backstory on this person. When I follow up with them later and I'm like writing notes on their business card to remember who they are for when I send them an email afterwards or a LinkedIn connection, I then tell them, you know, hey, I remember we talked about you're from the my, one of my favorite wine regions in France, for example. Uh, I I really loved our conversation and it's much easier to build relationships with people because people are more forthcoming about the personal as well as the business in those events. So that's another thing that I learned as well. That's awesome. We, we kind of talked about this a little bit, um, but I kind of, I just want to have it out as a question for our listeners of what are some of the benefits of building your business in another language? Why is this something that maybe people should look into even if they don't, live in Madrid, but they want to do work all over the world. Why, why is this helpful? So I think that for me, when I first started learning Spanish, it's, I saw it almost as before this was even a term gamification, right? I saw every word and sentence and idiom that I learned as almost like leveling up every single time. 
And I envisioned it as every time I leveled up, I built, I added another, you know, tile or, you know, floorboard, I guess, to this bridge that I was building to being understood by somebody who was a native Spanish speaker. And so I think that the greatest benefit that to anybody who's thinking of building a business in another language or, you know, even operating with clients in other languages is that you open yourself up to so much more of the world. And, and it's just, it's a learning a language and seeing, seeing the, the magic in those moments of connection when a, a word that you studied in a book somehow comes out of your mouth and is understood by the person in front of you is just, I still get chills every time it happens. I still pinch myself every time I find myself speaking and having full conversations about life and business with a client from another part of Spain or another part of Latin America or somebody who's a native Spanish speaker living somewhere else. And and I think honestly, it's just the connections that you can get, the way that the world opens itself up to you even more on another layer because you have another set of tools in your toolbox, another way to you know, build bridges with more people to allow you to give your skills or services or the value that you deliver as an entrepreneur to an entirely different group of people that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. And so I think that's been the most beautiful thing for me. It's really beautiful. It makes me feel like I'm behind. I'm like, okay, got to brush up on my Spanish and let's, okay, let's take some courses. Yeah. It, like, it really <laughs> speaks to me too, because I love learning different languages and I had taken Spanish throughout like middle school and high school and first year of college. And I came to a point about two years ago where I started realizing I wasn't practicing it and I was starting to lose it. And like tenses for me were like, wait, how do I do the subjunctive <laughs> tense again? Like what? What is that? So I actually, <laughs> it's kind of funny. There was a Disney show on Netflix uh, called Violetta based out of Buenos Aires. And so that's kind of how I picked it back up. But I did feel when I had that moment of I was losing it, like I was losing that potential to work with other people in other countries. And as someone who really wants to travel, that kind of disheartened me. So I had to pick that back up. Well, if you ever want to, if you ever want to do a podcast interview in Spanish, practice with me anytime. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I love that. Awesome. I think it's just so beneficial, even even if you're an entrepreneur or maybe you're not an entrepreneur, but you just want to travel, just picking up languages or trying to learn at least something is helps you expand your worldviews and it's not doesn't keep you stuck in this one thing that you go off and you can try something new and you're not even just trying something new and then bringing your language to this place that doesn't speak your language. You're trying to get into what that country is all about, what that culture is all about, and, and really broaden your horizons. I went to Paris and I know zero French and I tried my hardest. And I think that just helps. I think that helps you just put yourself out there. And I think people appreciate it. And I think not just traveling and, and doing that, but then as an entrepreneur, if you're talking to someone that doesn't live in the United States or the UK, to really do your part to bridge that gap and make them feel comfortable. Absolutely. And, and I mean, to piggyback off that as entrepreneurs, I mean, one of the things that has been really cool is to see this sort of digital nomad location independence movement, which, 
you know, has really taken off. Madrid's become, you know, Spain in general has become a hot spot for digital nomads to come through, you know, through co-working spaces or now co-living spaces where you can basically bunk and, and make a beachside office your office for a week and meet other people from all over the world who are also operating their businesses from their laptops. And I think having having access to those those languages and those different again, different ways of interacting with people, it just opens you up to so much more and so many more possibilities. And, and it's almost like you can kind of break through barriers that you wouldn't otherwise be able to when you do travel to Paris or, or go abroad or, uh, you know, anywhere in the world, because you finally have a way of understanding a group of people, an entire worldview that you wouldn't have access to if you didn't have you know, at least some basics in, of language. I think the basics that anybody can learn uh, whenever they travel as entrepreneurs or living abroad or whatever, you know, are just hello, thank you, and goodbye. And maybe, you know, can I have more wine, please? I don't know. <laughs> She's like, just those basics that people are happy. Just say that in Spanish for us so we know when we go... <laughs> So hello, hola, uh, or if you want to sound really cool, buenas, and then goodbye, adios, or hasta luego. And if you want to sound really cool in Spanish, hasta luego, like really, you know, you shorten everything. Thank you, gracias. If you want to say it with like a Spanish pronunciation, it's not gracias, it's gracias. And uh, can I have more wine, please? Uh, Más vino, por favor. <laughs> Perfect. We're all set. Ready yes, to go. Ready to go. <laughs> Do you have any other advice for business owners who would want to work with individuals or businesses in another country? Absolutely. So I would say, be honest. I think one of the things that I learned in not only in my style of communication with story, but also when you're translating into another language that you didn't learn when you were growing up natively, you're always going to just be able to get across the bare essentials, which means that you can only be honest about what your real intentions are. So even if, you know, people will forgive you for not knowing necessarily all of the language or being fully bilingual or trilingual, as it were, as many Europeans are, but they will, they will appreciate honesty of like, actually, no lo entiendo, like, I don't understand, right? It goes a long way. Could you explain that to me? Or I, I don't have the answer to that. Can you help me? And I think being honest, whether or not it's around your language limitation or just how you operate in business, I think is something that's universal no matter what culture you're in. Stay humble. I think that it's really easy for us to assume when we move to another country or culture that things are going to operate very similarly to the way that we know. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It very often doesn't, nor should it, because we live in a big wide world where things just, you know, people are different, cultures are different, you know, any everything's different. And so I think it's learning to stay humble and be patient and again, ask for help when you need it, because you know, you can't just jump into working with somebody from another culture or maybe having somebody on your team if you're looking to do it that way and just assume they're going to instantly understand you. There's going to be, you know, like you were saying earlier, when you were in your international marketing course, you're going to understand that certain cultures maybe prioritize other, you know, certain things versus others. And so you have to be very respectful of that um, and do your research and be okay with 
it not being understood or not going your way necessarily the first time around and being okay with that and learning to let things go. Um, I would say, you know, just do the best that you can. I think uh, one of the things I let go of a long time ago was I'm never going to be Shakespeare in Spanish. Uh, and that's okay. <laughs> or Cervantes, as it were. I'm never going to be him in Spanish. I'm not going to write the next Don Quixote. But as long as the person in front of me understands me enough and can see the essence of who I am and and my genuine desire to help them in life and in business, then that's all that matters. And so, you know, all you can ask for and all anyone can ask for you is to do your best. And um, yeah, a lot of patience, a lot of humility, a lot of just, you know, being respectful and and being mindful that you're that you're operating with people from different places so do your best to just you know be a good human that's good advice for (laughs) anything that's that's beautiful advice for all things being a human or an entrepreneur whatever that's just great advice for everything I have two personal questions tell me one have, have you reached out to any of your Spanish teachers and been like hey look at me look what I'm up to and what did they think I did actually message one of my old Spanish teachers, the one who got me excited about uh, moving to Spain. And she was just, you know, she wrote me this lovely letter back saying like, oh my goodness, wow, I remember you. It's so great to hear from you. That's really cool. I shared the link of the article that I was featured in and she was like, wow, I'm so proud of you. And it was just very, just, it was very awesome for, for me to kind of reflect back to her like, hey, you know, you making us cook Spanish omelet one day in class actually started this whole curious journey for me <laughs> that led to me living where I am today. And so I want to thank you for that. So yeah, I definitely contacted, she was one. And then I was able luckily to connect with another teacher of mine in high school who was from Spain originally. And he was like, wow, your accent's even more Spanish than mine is now. <laughs> Which he thought was really funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, we got to give props to our teachers out there who yes. help us and inspire us because there's so many things that we, you just had that one teacher that went that extra step that changed our lives. So that's really cool. And my other question is, how did you meet your husband in Madrid? Because I bet our listeners are like, ooh, I'm going to head over to Madrid. I'm going to find me a <laughs> hunky husband and I'm going to live there forever. So... well it was really cool actually because um he and I were we had reconnected actually when I moved back to Madrid because he and I first met when I'd studied abroad but in passing and a group of friends and he was the first person that I looked up when I got here and it's funny because so I kind of remembered him he kind of remembered me and we basically spent almost my first full year here trying to meet up (laughs) which was really funny like for one reason or another you know I was in Spain I always thought I was going to be here for a year oh just kidding going to Switzerland wait is that Sweden no just kidding Switzerland bye (laughs) he's like okay I guess coffee next week and then I'd message him and it was just this whole thing for a better part of a year and we finally got that coffee date in the books and met up and it was just you know magic it was a really great connection and, you know, it was, it was, I want to say how many it was, yeah, it was three years or four years after we originally met. And obviously it was just the two of us and we really hit it off, had a lot of great interests. And he was somebody who got, you know, got to show me around the city. He was really excited to show the city that he grew up in to somebody who was really enthusiastic to literally eat all the food, <laughs> literally 
try all the things, literally go to all these exhibits and a lot of things that he would have taken for granted. I think being somebody from Madrid and growing up there, he got to relive through my eyes and with so many shared interests and so much time that we spent together, I decided like, I'm going to extend a year and see what happens. And here we are (laughs) now just celebrated our two year wedding anniversary. We got married in California and yeah, it was really cool. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about your experience in all of this? Sure. So I would say that my my advice for anybody who's thinking of starting a business, and it could be abroad. I mean, you could move to another country and meet a handsome Spaniard to get married <laughs> to. I mean... It's great. It's a great option. But maybe that's outside of your comfort zone or it's, you know, just something that's not in your realm of possibility. But like, I think the important thing is no matter what you have that you've been keeping as a dream that you've been keeping as, you know, uh, oh, what if or no, but I'm too scared or it's too risky. I think we need more bold people in the world who are pursuing their dreams and are living their lives out loud and are, you know, giving the best in themselves. And so that can be living abroad, that can be starting a business, that can be, you know, freelancing or finding a job that allows you to work remotely and, you know, going to another city, you know, whatever that is for you, whatever that thing that has been sitting in your heart and in your soul for as long as it has, that you've just kind of maybe put on the back burner for one reason or the other because of fear or insecurity or or just n- not really knowing how things are going to turn out, do it. I mean, you, w- the worst alternative is that, you know, you try and it didn't work out, but hey, you have a great story to come back with. So I think that would be, that would be my uh, hopefully takeaway that people get from this, that I know my trajectory has, is very unique. But I don't think it's it's that far removed from from one person's one decision to say yes to something they would otherwise say no to. And the series of yeses actually leads you down a path that feels much more true and much more, you know, authentic to who you are and who you're meant to be in this world. So that's what I would like to leave with. Yeah, I love that. Live more boldly. That's awesome. Just being bold and, and going after your dreams. Well, thank you so much for reaching out to us. You were wonderful and we have loved talking to you and hearing your story. And yeah, I think people will gain a lot from this. So I'm really excited to share it with everyone. Thank you both so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure for me to be here. And where can people find you online? So you can find me on capabella.com. And if anybody is, you know, looking to rewrite their story, is maybe prepping their own no longer Elancer Odesk, but Upwork profile or, you know, their LinkedIn summary and just wants to, you know, freshen things up a bit or, you know, get their personal brand up and running and tell, figure out what their story is to tell to set themselves apart. You can go to my website to kfabella.com forward slash story kit to download your free story starter kit there. Or you can find me pretty much on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and not Snapchat, but well, <laughs> Who knows? Thank you so much. And we look forward to following you on your journey and seeing what other awesome things you're up to. Likewise. Thank you, ladies.